I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers, and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project focus, data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from first-hand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Today, I'm sitting down with a very special guest, Leonard O'Kara. He is the Head of Machine Learning, Engineering and Operations at Volvo Cars. Leonard, how are you going today? I'm uh, doing well, thank you. Very pleasure to be here. Mate, thank you so much for making the time. I'm super excited to get to uh, pick your brain and talk about all things machine learning, engineering, machine learning ops, uh, applications to cars, how people can better leverage um, MLOps and ML engineering in their organizations. Uh, so I'm very excited for us to spend some time together. Thank you so much. To, um, to kick things off, uh, could you tell us a, a bit about your, um, your, your role at the moment and your, your remit, what that looks like, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. Uh, well, uh, as you said, I'm driving machine learning, engineering, and operations at Volvo Cars. Um, basically, we're trying to uh, reduce friction along the ML value stream, and uh, we're trying to enable ML uh, initiatives across different domains uh, at the company. And uh, yeah, there are some challenges there, so I'm <laughs> trying to mitigate them. Um, my background is as an ML engineer, data scientist, working hands-on with these things. And uh, uh, yeah, that's Amazing. a little bit about me. Amazing. Thank you so much. So um, through the, the podcast, we sometimes uh, and often do run uh, live webinars as well. And when we do that, we have uh, polls for the audience. And uh, over, over the last couple of years, over the last three years, actually, we, we've done polls about how many models uh, people have and organizations have in production. Um, and what we find in Australia, uh, at least the, the majority of organizations have zero to five models in production uh, with the majority having zero. Um, and then, so we had in, in the answer, we typically have an, an option that's zero. Another option is zero to uh, one to five. And then we have six to 10, 10 to 20 and 20 plus is, is how we've um, structured it that so far and um it's basically like 92 93 percent of people uh sit in the in the zero to five uh, with the overwhelming majority in the zero category and then we had some some outliers in the you know six plus range uh, with some very high outliers in australia like a couple organizations uh, or a few have over a thousand models in production but essentially what that says to me and, and what i wanted to ask you is that um Doing ML engineering and MLOps is really hard. <laughs> um, it seems to be. 
So my question is, is it, is it really hard and, and, and why is it so hard? Well, um, I think it is really hard, but I think it's mainly hard from a cultural perspective and a people perspective because it entails uh, a lot of change in the way of working uh, for ML practitioners in general, working in a way they are not maybe in general uh, comfortable with. So essentially it's about uh, adopting some software engineering practices and uh, also from an organizational perspective, it requires uh, the organization to realize this and make sure these teams have the competencies and the roles required in order to uh, deliver machine learning, uh, production grade machine learning, which I think traditionally has not been the case. So you have a lot of data science teams siloed across the company and they are sort of responsible to deliver machine learning in production. And uh, I think that's a big reason for failure and uh, why it's hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So there, there is, there is a, a, a different approach that the, the data science teams need to take in order to have, um, in order to be able to create products in production and have that, that industrial um, strength to the, to the products. Um, what, are, what are some of those, uh, some of that changes in, in mindset and approach uh, that, the, that the, team need, the teams need to do that? Well, I mean, we had to spend significant effort uh, teaching uh, data scientists to use Git properly to collaborate uh, in teams and uh, uh, get them to adopt like a branching strategy, which is lies as a basis for CICD and automation and these things. So um, they it basically was starting from scratch. So some of these uh, principles that are... Uh, well accepted in the software engineering uh, community are basically non-existent in the uh, ML community. It depends, like obviously with more sort of engineering background the and, and also the scale of the projects themselves. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a challenge, but uh, what we have seen is also like, it's not rocket science. These people are, are smart individuals working on complex problems. So it's about, you know, having an open mind, trying it out. And then over some time, we see that this actually becomes uh, more or less second nature to the way they're working. Uh, one additional challenge is uh, obviously uh, the dependency towards data. Mm -hmm. So like in order for companies to innovate and uh, run machine learning in production, it's highly dependent on how they manage and maintain their data. And uh, if you wanna get value out of your machine learning products, uh, you need to get value out of your, uh, you need to have uh, basically good data. And uh, that is also very rare. Uh, right, <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. So that's an additional challenge as well. It's a it's a super tough um, super tough problem. What are, what are some ways you've seen um, to get organizations behind um, having better quality data 
or or focusing on on the on the data component. Um, what are, what are some ways that you've seen that works um, for for organizations? I, I, we are. This is still very challenging for us as well. Uh, I must say, but I, I think one needs to have a business angle on this to tie it to some value and prioritize heavily and and uh, be very clear about what this can provide to the organization and tie that story uh, like end to end from the to the actual sort of data sources required to build up this uh, at this stage hypothetical value but it gives you enough uh, backing uh, to invest the resources and time in order to uh, secure data quality and secure those data sources and uh, build out your uh, let's say insights or ml system on top of it yeah that's great i love the the focus on business value um because if if you can nail that then it'll be easier to get the organization behind improving the data quality uh it's always a hard task and people are struggling with it everywhere so i'm always uh yeah keen keen to pick people's mind on on different approaches and and how to get it to bubble up to uh, business priorities and i think business values it's a great way to do that um i also wanted to ask you about um the differences between cicd pipelines uh from how how does the the data science or ml cicd pipeline how is it different to the software engineering cicd pipeline are there any um divergences uh or is it mostly overlap how how does it look like well, it overlaps to a large extent, but it does add some additional complexities. And I think it kind of depends a little bit to, to like from project to project mm -hmm. uh, and also like organization to organization. But uh, uh, in our case, we, we, we track the data and the models and the pipeline artifacts uh, in our CI pipeline which adds additional complexity. Mm -hmm. Also <clears throat> running uh, container workloads, most of these images are quite heavy. Like mm -hmm. these are not like small uh, small containers. You have PyTorch and other large Python packages managing this dependency hell that is still not nice in, <laughs> in, it, in, in Python. Uh, so that's an additional challenge. And um, yeah, uh, like uh, yeah, um, there there are some uh, uh, core differences since the tests that you are running are also maybe more complicated, and um, yeah, it's not one hundred percent straightforward. But neither. That's not the case either in software engineering, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So where where in software engineering they might have uh, unit tests, system tests, regression testing. Um, yeah. In in ML, we want to have the the differential testing. Um, have a have a holdout set where we can do a a champion challenger approach to our model deployment. Uh, for for example, uh, and having having that. Um, 
um, having that test set is completely new for the model when it gets to that point um, is is something something important um, that that I see at least. But I think um, yeah. Um, so sorry. Any 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 thoughts on on any of that? Um, no, I was thinking about maybe trying to explain that differently, but uh, um, let's continue on, and I might <laughs> might yeah. pop into some. No, that sounds good. Um, for you guys here, having um, um, you look after the 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 end to end process in terms of uh, it's kind of like you're you're doing you're doing ops across the the data pipeline, so the 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 pre processing and data preparation, um, and then going to the the model creation um, and creating of new models, and then. Um, and then go into a kind of like a model registry and then find a way to productionize the models that are that are winning uh, or, or that offer an improvement. Is that is that the, the, the landscape for, for you? Is that a good summary? Uh, yeah, well, kind of, uh, mm -hmm. I would say. Like, uh, I didn't really elaborate on how we're structured, but uh -huh. uh, so... Uh, we have a central team, like it's kind of a small team, but the, the ML engineering and operations teams work centrally and we sort of support uh, the different domains. And we also uh, offer the infrastructure and the tooling and the services for running machine learning workloads and distributed training and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that that's like uh, a product that is uh, part of our deliverable in a sense and we find synergies between uh, these different teams and yes uh, securing that end-to-end -end machine learning pipeline is uh, something that we're uh, definitely working on and trying to uh, generalize that to work for the different endeavors so so yeah that that's that's the landscape yeah, that's great. That's great. And your your um, data processing pipeline, um, where where does that end at? Like, do you guys have a um, a feature store? No, maybe you're dealing more with unstructured data. Um, so, what's what's kind of like the handover point between the data processing pipeline um, to the model? Uh, yeah. So we we have not implemented a future store yet but we're very keen on implementing feast uh, as a feature store to have this handover and uh, uh, let uh, machine learning practitioners uh, manage features as first class citizens so i think this is a very promising idea and an approach uh, for a large enterprise like ourselves and uh, we're dealing with unstructured data and structured data, and you know, there, it depends on where in the company. So we do have manufacturing, we have finance, we have .com, we have the vehicle. So it's all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm a big believer believer in a feature store, and I think there's actually more to it, like uh, managing KPIs in a similar fashion as first-class citizens with well-defined KPIs. Like outside of machine learning, there are other benefits, and think about sensor fusion, like uh, you can see, <laughs> see those type of combinations of sensors as a feature. 
even though like yeah in that case it might actually go into a machine learning model but i think uh, yeah yeah nice that's um so that sounds really good and um feast from memory i might be wrong but it's an open source product is that yeah right? yeah okay yeah. we're uh, opting opting so uh, we're opting for open source solutions uh, first yeah yeah Awesome. I think. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's that's great. That's great. And then um, and um, so yeah. So really interesting that you guys service the the entire enterprise, providing the the systems and the platforms um, to to enable the organization to apply machine learning anywhere, really anywhere and everywhere. Um, then um, I might ask you about the how you guys do the the model creation first and then I'll move into uh, the, the deployment and model registry and, and things like that if that's if that's all right. Um, but what is the, sure. the, the the model creation component look like uh, for you guys? Well uh, it's part of uh, basically the training pipeline and uh, you're managing your models basically well I, I'm not really sure what you mean there. So like uh, it's highly, you, obviously it's a very experimental uh, stage. So you need to give, give uh, the practitioners the opportunity to uh, manage these experiments and uh, track uh, uh, different parameters, what data has been used to train which model and do that effectively. And uh, and uh, provide them an uh, interface for uh, also doing like research and things like outside of the general sort of pipeline to uh, innovate a bit more. But uh, yeah, for us, uh, model creation is vastly about training and we're, uh, we're doing so uh, utilizing Kubernetes container orchestration and uh, there are some training operators that uh, can be used to train large scale. Although I think uh, even in our uh, scenario, most of the value providing uh, initiatives in terms of machine learning does not require that extreme scale that uh, Kubernetes uh, offers. Yeah, 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 great, 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 great. Um, yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, that, that, uh, definitely covers that the component, and then also a bit about the the productionization, um, and then keeping track of how the model performs uh, once once it's it's out in the wild. Um, yeah, and then obviously um, using Kubernetes there. Do you guys use Kubeflow by any chance? Yes, we use a fork of Kubeflow. Uh, yeah. The reason for that is because you have this unified user interface that is uh, uh, nice for practitioners. So we have adopted that a little bit for uh, our use cases and added some additional services uh, to it that we consider useful. So, uh, and then also I think uh, the sort of pipeline SDK or the wrapper around Argo workflows is quite interesting. Uh, well. It, it makes it easier for practitioners to write Python instead of YAML, basically. Yeah. So, 
So uh, best of both worlds. Uh, yeah. In that sense. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And what um, uh, what recommendations or what tips would you have for people that want to move into the space of of the uh, of MLOps in general? Start simple and uh, think about uh, think about processes and ways of working and cultural aspects and try to fit tooling and infrastructure uh, along along that mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, endeavor. So mainly it's cultural like and uh, you don't need to like choose the most extreme state of the art tools uh, for these. Uh, there's a humongous amount of startups and a humongous amount of different services that offer MLOps. Uh, my personal take there is that I think many of them have from a design perspective uh, kind of taken a wrong approach. I think, uh, they, obviously they are user first, they want to sell and they want to like show that, oh, we make this easy. So it's about, oh, but you can just write this in a notebook and push that into production or try like many things don't really fit the sort of standard good practice of like general development, which I believe still is the way to go in order to manage things properly. So you end up working in different ways than for example, other teams within your organization that you have to collaborate with anyhow, yeah. uh, which creates a bigger divide. And then it's harder to sort of uh, apply proper uh, CICD practices or running tests uh, on your code. So you end up with like even... In certain cases, you don't even end up with a repository somewhere like on GitHub, but if you do, it looks uh, not so nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, well, that's just my take, take on it. Like, obviously, I've seen quite a bit because I'm in a position where all of these companies want to sell you something. And I think this holds true for SageMaker and all of those other endeavors as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's, um, yeah, at least um, in, in my work and in, in my teams, we definitely um, had to institute a no, no notebooks into into prod rule, um, which at the time was um, was not very popular. <laughs> no, uh, but 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 it's important, right? So um, yeah, it is. We actually tried that as well. Like mm -hmm. uh, we, that was her first approach. Let's try to make this as simple as possible to let you know practitioners, data scientists push things into prod, automate their notebooks. We use paper mill. Read this blog post from Netflix, and we just oh, but this is great. It's super simple. It's very easy. But what you end up with is like a lot of garbage being pushed that is unmaintainable. You don't have complete visibility, observability. Like it's very, very. It was very hard to maintain, and it, yeah, you don't end up with anything, even remotely close to uh, production grade, something that you can maintain over time. So, so we kind of scrapped that, 
and it, we went back to let's let's try to f- focus on first principles try to let try to teach and push and evangelize these first principles so that you have good ways of working and then adopt the infrastructure and tooling towards that and build our uh, CI on top of that. So I think focus on first principles, get that out, start super simple. Like you need something to orchestrate and run pipelines and you need a CI uh, tool. So if you choose GitHub Actions, Tekton, or Jenkins, it doesn't really matter. Start with something that you are like comfortable with or your organization is comfortable with. And uh, yeah, that, that's why. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, like, what what a, what a minimalist um, or, or MLOps starter kit would look like? What would be that that simple? So... Yeah, that's that's what you're saying. Orchestration and the CI CD component is um, the sounds like the the minimal the minimal kit, right? Yes, I would I would think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And um, yeah, I think I think um, people will be maybe relieved uh, to hear that that it's more about the the processes um, rather than a difficult technological challenge. Does that make sense? That the the, the yeah. technology, that the the ways of doing it is there, but you gotta uh, build the 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 processes and the organizational muscle um, to do it, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think um, obviously there are technical challenges, but I don't think the focus needs to reside there if you're aiming to like get value out of ML. And uh, yes, there are certain certain topics within MLOps that are still quite, I would say, like unsolved. If you want to have like complete lineage and data versioning, I think there are yeah. challenges there. Like yeah. uh, thinking of, uh, you know, data, data in the same way, like let's say as you would use Git, for example, with zero copy doing that effectively and, uh, you know, how do you manage merge conflicts and data with those yes. things? like there are nothing nothing really 100% there so we're still trying to focus on that challenge but to, yeah i remember yeah. when we first um as a like the science and ml team when we first started working with software engineers um we had to really labor this point to say yeah. the software the code can stay the same but if mm. the data changes, then we're going to get a totally different output. And like we really have to work with them and show them uh, examples for them to understand the importance of something like data versioning, which uh, which is a bit of bit of a bit of a holy grail, I guess at the moment at least. Um, yeah. So they, I, I've seen a couple of of open source approaches to to data versioning. Um, what do you think about those? What are your your main frustrations with the way it's done at the moment? Well, we're currently uh, now uh, playing around with LakeFS. Like first and foremost, I think the big player here is like DVC, yeah. which uh, works like if you're working on a small small problem or with uh, 
like the idea is good there. You have pointers and whatnot, but it didn't really scale for us. If you needed to work on like petabytes of data and stuff like that, it, it was not an option for us. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, many of them are, as we stated, there are some open challenges there that there's no like concrete solutions for. There are efforts that are trying to sort of solve them in good ways. I think design-wise, uh, LakeFS had a good idea and a good approach. So uh, I don't know, there are others out there. Uh, I don't remember the name. There's another open source initiative there, but I, I think they're more or less the same, <laughs> like slight, slight, slight differences and a different logo, basically. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, an open, an open problem at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, and especially like when you mix with 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 cloud, because ideally you wanna you want your data to stay where it lives, um, and then be yeah. able to be versioned there in a way that's compatible and accessible to, to the models and the yeah. platforms running in the the experiments. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's still a bit of a leap, sorry. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, you can get pretty far with some of the, the sort of features that are offered by the different object store solutions as well. To be honest, you can get pretty far there as well. But uh, we wanted to have the, we wanted to have a reference in, in the repository that we could track in a good way so we can have that metadata. So yeah. basically for each Git commit, we know what data is relevant. So we want to have like a shop a hash for the data and then you know a tag for the models and these things so uh, it just doesn't become nice if you uh, try to sc scrape that snapshot sort of id from s3 or something like yeah. that so and then yeah and then uh, and then even worse once you um once you get the the actual data back that you initially predicted and you want to feed that back into, into the model for evaluation purposes, for example, um, yeah. like it just gets even messier. Um, yeah. But this is like part of the complexity of MLOps is like, uh, if you want to secure effective uh, experimentation and effective development, uh, you need to be able to or the practitioners need to be able to compare apples with apples and go back in time and see what actually was done and secure a good method for comparing it was this approach better than the previous approach. And ideally, even that is automated. Like when you do have good control, and good metrics, uh, and you think about those uh, things early on in your endeavor. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's challenging. Agreed. Agreed. And um, for for you guys to get here to this point where you have an ML engineering and MLOps team that's servicing the organization, um, focusing yeah, on, on enabling across across the enterprise, that is quite mature in in the in the journey. And and you know sometimes. Um, Sometimes when we're doing things in an organization, we're always focusing on what we're doing next and the, the challenges. So it might not feel like, sometimes it might not feel in, inside the organization, doesn't feel like 
it's very mature. But I can tell you that in, in, in your case, it is a very mature um, place that you guys are at. So I wanted to ask you about tips on um, recommendations or learnings from when you guys were starting the journey and, and kind of like in further phases, um, if there was any any recommendation recommendations or lessons learned that you could tell people on, on how to start this journey or, or improve upon their journey um, and obviously taking the organization with them as you guys have done. What, what, what would you say to them? Wow. So a little bit of the how, how this actually started we so I didn't start off working with uh, ML operations and uh, engineering. Um, this was before the sort of buzzword even came out, but we had deliverables in a like in a domain team. And uh, this was when uh, Volvo Cars was quite early in the sort of cloud journey or something. But I mean, I started off, got handed a computer and expected to sort of deliver value uh, or mm -hmm. like the whole team. And we had deliverables that, uh, no, you need to deliver insights on a daily basis or a weekly basis, or you need to train some models or something. And you didn't really have like access to cloud. People were working on their local computers, local laptops. There weren't any tools for like orchestrating pipelines or, or basically anything. Like it was zero. And uh, I was at that stage quite surprised at that because I came from a sort of a cloud first consultancy. Uh, I saw how things were working in a different industry. So back then I was like, oh, we are way behind here. <laughs> we need to set something up. So uh, we kind of started that journey to manage our own deliverables and then other teams kind of jacked onto that. So I, I kind of feel that what we did was... Uh, the growth was kind of organic from that. And then we sort of spearheaded our focus. We proved some value. Um, my boss, Ronnie Johnson, was doing a lot of legwork uh, across the organization, uh, promoting, showing how, how this can be uh, generalized. And uh, he kind of gave us the opportunity to spearhead this and invest more time in building this out. And... Uh, like what we initially started with was more of that set set something us set something up that works for us. So that like over time, when more more teams jump along, that one notices that okay, well, uh, doesn't really scale from sort of an enterprise perspective. You need to care about security, multi-tenancy, yeah. and all those things when you take on the like full challenge of building up a centralized platform, let's say. So we needed to switch gears and re-architect and redesign uh, uh, a little bit. But yeah, like it highly depends on your organization, but you need you need buy-in. Uh, to work on this and you and essentially I think uh, action speaks louder than words so mm -hmm. if you can show that this is valuable and to tell a story like when you're working with data right so if you have a story around it you have some clear insights I think that's where you can actually you know uh, get people to make big impact decisions based on data or you establish 
trust and proof of value. That that's basically it. Right. That's great. That's great. Definitely, definitely the case. And um, for how how did you upskill on the engineering and and MLOps space? Um, because like obviously people can can come into into this space from from multiple backgrounds uh, and sometimes people come from a more software engineering background and in your case it was more from a, a analyst and data scientist background um, and how how did you make the the transition and and fill in the gaps and upskill what was that journey like yeah, wow uh, it was amazing uh, I would say, like uh, coming from university, I felt like this piece was definitely missing. Like uh, mm -hmm. you were always working with like the terminal bash, you were working with cloud, needed to access servers, needed to like, for me, like it, I was hit by like, a, also I've been a little bit nerdy. So I've liked some, some of programming, but I have, I have no, no sort of official training in software engineering and uh, I still today have some bad practices sort of inherit in the way of working because I came from this uh, Jupyter Notebooks uh, kind of uh, scripting just to get the job done uh, from a sort of insights data perspective but uh, mm. yeah for me it's been amazing like it's crazy how much valuable you can become and how much more effective you can become as a traditional data scientist with just uh, some some good core knowledge and software engineering practices becoming a bit better at coding and uh, uh, reusing uh, oh basically just the fact of refactoring some of your functions into mm -hmm. a uh, Python module and manage and maintain that in a good way with some tests so you can reuse these instead of having them scattered across your notebooks and you're just reinventing the wheel all the time that makes you way more effective like I, you've this seen my is like personal <laughs> no no but I'm talking about no, my personal like it. experience like like it takes some time before you like realize oh shit I should do it like this oh shit I should do it like this and then you you get excited, you learn a lot more. Like I fell into this sort of, yeah, uh, cloud native space, Kubernetes container orchestration, and like using containers just as a traditional data scientist, if you want to like share your work across, like, like first and foremost, like I see a lot of data scientists still today that doesn't create a virtual environment to sort of like, how am I supposed to run, run your code? Uh, and we need to collaborate on this particular code, but that's where most of the challenges actually arises. And I think yeah, containers are uh, very good for this also, for uh, reproducibility and sharing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been a nice journey right now. I'm, I'm sort of uh, very excited about uh, software engineering. And I think, uh, yeah, the cloud native space is very interesting and uh, uh, yeah i don't know like we have the internet like i mean as <laughs> yeah. you can uh, it's but you can learn whatever you want given that you have the sort of motivation 
to do so. And uh, that's amazing. Like, Isn't it amazing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, um, at, at, my, at my day job, um, I, I report to the CEO and, the, and my boss, the CEO, he's, he's doing um, some studies in data science at the moment through, uh, through the local university. And, um, and he's found, obviously he hasn't done formal training in, I don't know, 15 years or 20 years. And he was like, now everything's available for free. He goes on YouTube, he watches uh, lectures from, you know, the best yeah. teachers around and um, has the blog post and has um, Stack Overflow and code and um, notebooks in the cloud. and. He's like, this is this is amazing. So definitely, the motivation um, is there. Uh, the the sky's the limit, uh, which which yeah. is obviously something that that you've done um, uh, for for a long time now. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what what are you particularly excited about in the um, in the cloud space and in the software engineering space, and how and how uh, that ties into the the ML uh, area. Yeah, well, I think like running machine learning in production or most machine learning systems, essentially, like uh, they are versions of uh, data intensive distributed systems. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to running distributed systems, uh, Kubernetes is, is like the main player there. And I think... Uh, it's very exciting that Kubernetes offers these, like it gives a nice entry point for someone like me who doesn't have the sort of operations background or running of running, you know, uh, services and software at that given scale. And it gives you a lot of things for free. It has a nice, well-designed uh, API or a framework which you can extend with your own APIs and other services. It's very it's like an OS for distributed uh, systems. So I, I'm kind of excited about that. And uh, obviously, sort of the basic ways, the CICD options, uh, like automation to make sure you're more effective the way people care about, you know, uh, like pushing code into production is not 100% straightforward. You need to care about like, like you, you want to mitigate bugs as much as possible. And I think the ML space needs to care about that even more, given that the, the sort of uh, you have added dimensions to the search space for potential issues or like models and data being included there as well. Like uh, from my perspective, working in ML, you should be extra excited and care about observability, monitoring, uh, CICD automations to sort of mitigate some of the issues that we will see and that we see when we're trying to productionize our our work. And uh, also, like, I do understand that every practitioner cannot become like a hardcore software engineers. Like, even in the software engineering world, you have. CI engineers that focuses on CI and these things. It's it's about structuring the team and finding common ground where you can collaborate and work with people that have these sort of backgrounds. And that's about, you know, kind of a handshake on like uh, 
we all share this same core knowledge at least and we all know how to uh, use git properly to kind of write good commit messages write providing prs that are nice to review and and uh, yeah like i mean those those type of practices uh, are, are the things that i'm uh, very excited about and uh, i think they all lend themselves very very well to uh, running machine learning systems in production right i love it i love it i love i love the passion uh, i love the the vision and uh, i'm i'm so impressed with the with the work that you've done and the amount of ground that you guys have been able to cover um at volvo in this in this space it's um it's it's inspirational so i'm um, i'm so glad that we got to um, have this chat today thank you so much for for sharing uh, your journey your knowledge your experience and um, i think it's going to be extremely valuable to so many people in the audience thank you let's hope so thanks for watching this video all the way to the end i hope that you got a lot out of this discussion and if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel um, so more people can find out about the challenges that leaders have in the analytics and AI space. And that's what we're trying to share in Data Futurology. Uh, so please like and subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, please tell your friends. Thank you so much.